Okay, welcome to episode five of the Tyler's Techcast. I'm joined here with Zero and special guest today, Rocco from Big Daddy Linux. How are we all doing? Fantastic. Thank you for inviting me. That's all right. You was actually one of the first people I had in mind to join, uh, to sort of invite on, actually. It's true. It's true. So have you had a busy week? It has been super busy. Uh, we started that new podcast, Linux User Space, so that has put a lot of extra pressure on editing and, and everything else. So Linux Spotlight has taken a back seat, and right. you know, as far as time wise, so it's. Then we had two live shows yesterday. So Saturday we had Biddle Europe, and then we had the regular Biddle, and. Yeah, I always miss the Europe show because it's the only one I could realistically actually tune in for. Every now and then, you might see me in the chat at like two in the morning my time for an American one for like ten minutes, and I'm like, I'm I'm gone. I've been waiting for you to get there. I'll do it. I'll do it. I'll do it. Um, (laughs) So uh, we got a few topics today, and I think the main one and why you're such a good guest for it is kind of community of like just the Linux community as a whole and sort of its strengths and its weaknesses. And I thought we could all start by saying. A, a bad experience that we've had that sticks out in our mind that we've had in the community and then sort of expand from there. Yep. Who wants to go oh, first? Man. I know it's a tricky um, one. Yeah, it is a tricky one, isn't it? Um, I mean, I can think of an experience that I had, but it's not specific to the Linux community as such, but it is related to the PC community. Yeah, that'll do it. So I don't know. It was when I was um, looking to get my first gaming rig Mm -hmm. and also slightly custom build it possibly and um i see you bought like a ready ready made one yeah so i bought an oem one yeah um only because at the time it was around when the first gen risons first came onto the market right and it was when all the Spectre and Meltdown stuff mm-hmm. was getting a lot of publicity as well. So I was like, I am absolutely not getting an Intel processor at this point. Um, and I had like, there was this like one dude who was like, well, why don't you just get a, a Core i9 or whatever? And I was like, because I don't need a Core i9. And also I don't grow money in my back garden. Like, <laughs> come on. Right. And uh, yeah, and I was like, "Look, like it's hard enough for me to try and put all of these components together and try and work out what is going to be." How old are you at this point? Uh, this was two years ago, so okay. I was like twenty-three. Um, but I was like, "Look, like I have never built a PC before, but I do want to start getting into it. But I also don't want to have to worry too much about the compatibility and everything, and trying to like buy the right power supply and try and buy the right cooler and try and buy all the right fans and all this stuff." So when I specced it all up and priced it up, the it, at the time I was still getting student discounts, so I actually got a really good deal on the OEM build, and he was like. But for like five hundred dollars more, you could get like all of this, and I was like, "My dude, I do not need to spend five hundred dollars more when I can get exactly the same thing for five hundred dollars less." <laughs> yeah, and that like it, it just you know people that like try and it, it's kind push of yeah to specs for no reason whatsoever for like your use case or like, what's really like they really irk me. It's like what's good for me should also be good for you, kind of thing, isn't it? Yeah. yeah yeah that that was the exact thing that was going on like he bought a a 1080 ti like on the day that they came out or whatever at like full price and i was like you're kind of an idiot really aren't you <laughs> <laughs> and what about you Rocco? well i've been in the community for a few years so i have you know witnessed all of the the you know read the manual, you know, kind of thing, talk in forums. Oh, yeah, and it was really bad years ago. When I started, it was really, really bad. It's gotten so much better, though. But you still get, I mean, Tyler, you have had to have some crazy comments on YouTube. I mean. Yeah, I'll get into some of them, yeah. I've had <laughs> some, some comments that are like, I don't know, like people wishing death on you. And, and like, seriously, it gets really toxic in there. Yeah. but. 
Oh, my favourite comment that I've got actually, uh, sort of like in a negative way, is people just being really upset that I'm not American, which is a really strange one. I've really? Had, like, yeah, I've had people going, "Oh, you're British, you're British," and like getting really like aggro about the fact that I'm British, and I'm like, "It's, it's not too much I can do about that one, my dude." I'm afraid <laughs> it's a weird one. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I don't get that. No, I don't. Um, go on. Is that better or worse than the comments about uh, saying Mate wrong, though? No, do you know what the new one is? Do you know what the new one is? What's the new one? Because <laughs> um, sometimes I'll say Windows Manager and not Window Manager, and people are up in... Oh, the Windows Manager. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. It's a big furor about that, and I'm like, okay, man, I'm sorry. I'm sorry I've added an S. It doesn't take much <laughs> no, for, it doesn't. for it doesn't. YouTube. But overall, like the experience, like I said, has gotten so much better over the years. So we're in a good place right now. There's still loud, toxic people, but they're less and less. I think it's overwhelmingly good, but I think sometimes it gets drowned out by the people that have got a bit too much time on their hands. Yep. Yeah. So how? It's like, that's like anywhere, though. Yeah, I think especially in online communities as a whole. Yeah, definitely. So with your Discord server, Rocco, do you take a sort of a hand in moderating anything in there or do you leave it to sort of mods or? Well, actually, I have some really awesome people in the community that help out with that. There's no way I could keep up with no. everything that we have going on. Um, a couple of the, the mods like Adam Grubbs and Shickle, uh, but there's one in particular, Scott Rocketwolf. Right. He takes that and just runs with it. And he is always in there moderating all the chat, welcoming new people. And I couldn't do it without them guys. That's what so. I'm trying to, trying to sort of get zero to become for me at the moment. Actually, <laughs> You need that though. No, you do. You do. Do you, do you host your own Mastodon server or is that an unhosted one? No, nah, that's just uh Linux, Linux rocks dot online. I think it is. Right. So, oh, so doing that. But, I had it. Mastodon is weird a little bit because if you pick the wrong instance and then you like, then you kind of want to switch to something else, then you got to the profiles don't always come over. I've not actually so. ever used it, so I'm not too sure about the actual workings of how it all works, to be honest. I was reading up on just sort of making a server the other day because I was intrigued about the process of it, but it looks like an interesting way of doing things, I think. Yep. So I was originally on, like, I think mastodon.social. Right. Yeah. And then switched over to Linux Rocks Online. So, so how long have you been a part of the Linux community, Rocco? Well, I would say I'm going to say probably only since 2016. Since the inception Be of your YouTube channel. Since the, yeah, since oh, the inception wow, okay. of the YouTube channel. So, I was kind of like I was kind of like below the radar a lot when I started with Linux in like 2004, uh -huh. but I didn't I didn't get into the forums like I was there but I didn't participate in them a lot. There wasn't the amount of communities that there are now, the accessibility to the communities there are now. There mm -hmm. there were communities but they were maybe harder to get to, maybe not as easy. So like, you know, setting up a uh, mumble when you're new is not exactly the easiest thing and but clicking on the Telegram link is super easy. So yeah. Oh, yeah, totally. I've been using Telegram less and less at the moment, actually. I don't know why. I think it's because no one else uses it. Apart from, like, a Linux sort of people, open source kind of people, no one really uses Telegram, especially in the UK. Everyone uses WhatsApp. Yeah. So it's yeah. like trying to convince people to download a, an additional app on their phone just to talk to me is a bit of a... It's not going to really happen. I've done it with a few people, but that's about mm -hmm. it. I have yes. that exact same problem. It's difficult, um, isn't it? Yeah, I think for like trying to like convince people to use Signal as well. Yeah, over Telegram, like it, you just add in the extra layer. <laughs> yeah, like, oh. Well, that's the problem with all the services. You have to go where the people are. Yeah, so yeah. If your group of people is not going to be on Signal, it's not going to work for you to have it installed. Yeah. What is um. <sighs> What is the actual sort of selling point of Signal? Is it it's more sort of privacy and secure? Is it or what? What is that? I thought it was supposed to be encrypted. Yeah, um, I'm not... yeah, it's it's fully end to end encrypted. So like because the difference 
between it and Telegram, as far as I know, is that Telegram servers are centralized. Right. Whereas Signal is like fully end to end encrypted between you and whoever else you're you're talking to, and it doesn't. Well, there's kind a, of go to their there's, a, over. there's a little bit of sort of contro- controversy over the actual encryption that's included in Telegram. I don't know if you've read about it. Yeah, um, I'm aware of it, but I don't know what the full story is. I think this the encryption keys or something are on their own servers or something. I've not really looked too much into it, but I yeah, think that's yeah, yeah. the um, that's, yeah, that's what the difference is. Yeah. So to flip that sort of question on its head, what's something really good about the community that stood out to you? I think the people themselves. I think the biggest thing that I have found is do, through doing this Linux Spotlight, which was just started to to do to put Linux stories together in one place. Your history into Linux. It's a really and, good show. Well, in doing that, you meet these people. I get to sit down with them and I talk to them for almost two hours sometimes, mm. and you see how awesome they are and how many awesome people we have in the community. So. The people are the real reason that we need to do our best to bring new people in because uh, everybody has something to offer, dude. They do. What about you, Zero? Is there anything that sticks out in your head or even like a it, individual instance of something that's happened that you've been like, well, that's pretty cool? Um, I don't know. I think like on a, on a similar note to Rocco, it's mostly about sort of the people that you, you do happen to meet through such a wide community but with a, with a common interest mm. um i think some of it was when i started looking into some of the history of like open and stuff like that i didn't actually realize that greg um carl hartman had worked at SUSE previously and he was actually the guy that um kind of came up with the idea for tumbleweed okay to become a thing and I didn't realize that before. Like, I don't think he works for Suzu anymore, but I didn't realize that he'd been like the guy that had kind of pushed Tumbleweed out into the into the world all those years ago. And I was like, actually, that's kind of cool. Like, finding out little things about that. So, on like an individual level, I got a comment the other day. I can't remember which video it was on, but it was just something so small that actually made me go, "Oh, cool." Someone was like, "Thank you for keeping your mistakes in." because it's helped me sort of learn. Whereas someone would like jump on you for making a simple mistake, this person was like quite happy that I've not retroactively gone and edited out a mistake. I've shown me, realised I've made a mistake, then go ahead and fix it, and they've really enjoyed that. And to me, that was like, I, I don't know, put a smile on my face, that. Yeah, yeah, like full disclosure. Yeah, I just thought it was well, nice, yeah. One thing I'd like to add to that is, you know, I said about the people, but if you spend time in these Telegram groups, because a lot of the same people are in all of the telegram groups yeah it's a lot of and crossover you just see so many people spending so much time helping other people i mean it's amazing to watch these guys like bill and dan simmons and leo and somebody has a problem and they just jump right in and help them fix it they don't you know send them somewhere else go to this forum they actually jump in and help them and that's awesome to see no it is really good so you're um you're like a pop OS guy, aren't you? I asked you this the other day, didn't I? Yeah. And you've been on there for yeah, I, a long time now, from what it sounds. Well, I was a distro hopper for a long time, dude. It's a disease and, we all get, yeah. Yep. And right now, it's been I think a year and a half since being on pop OS and not changing. What is it that keeps you on pop OS? Got some fluff. I don't think there is one thing that Everything. keeps me on pop OS. It's everything. It's the it's the system itself. It's the attention to detail that they put in System seventy six themselves. It's their mm-hmm. philosophies, and you want to be behind a company like that that has philosophies like that. Do you use um, the pop shell thing? I do. I you love do. it. No, it's good. It's a really good feature. I really like it. I didn't like it at first. I tried it and I didn't like it. I think it takes a bit of use to if you're used to just floating Windows all the time. But yep. I, I prefer KDE's Cronkite. Have you used that? No. So it, it's kind of a similar deal. So it's basically tiling window manager script for KDE. And I'm more of a KDE guy, so I really like it. 
So it's a script that you you start up every time your computer. No, it's a it's a KWin script, and you can go into the KWin settings inside System Settings in KDE, and you can enable it or disable it. But you can also sort of fine tune the gaps or the geometry or how you want it to behave, the sort of organization of it. And I just find it really cool. Yeah. I noticed that you were very careful not to say the Windows Manager. I know. Did you see that? (laughs) I'm learning. See. No, I don't think you can worry about those mistakes because I don't gonna, worry. I, they're no. they're going to happen regardless. Even if you didn't make a mistake, they're going to have people say to you, "You shouldn't say it this way." One hundred percent. So in our in the Discord server that we have, we had um, some just random flyby of was it? I think it was a few accounts, wasn't it? Zero. How many? Uh, as far as I know, there was just the one. Right, it's just the one that actually posted. But whether any of the ones that joined after that were were related, I don't know. So they were basically just trying to push this obscure distro for me to do a video on, and they almost well, they did get me to do it. But then as soon as I realised what was going on, I just privated the video, and I was like, I'm not doing it because I woke up this in the morning. I didn't see the original poster that was spamming this thing, but I woke up onto my Discord of about four or five random people that i've never seen in the discord before ever i'm sure it's the same person who's made multiple accounts sending me direct messages asking me to sort of review this distro and i was like what's going on so then i then went on twitter and they followed me onto twitter as well now so on my twitter now there's people like sending me messages and i've had to sort of just i'm not doing anything with your distro i'm afraid and then I got an email as well. So they found my email. They've tracked me down and they're now sending me emails. And I'm like, dude, I'm not going to do it. It's not going to happen. I mean, from, from what you told me about this particular um, thing, it's not. it doesn't really qualify as a distro, no, though, it does it? Like, did I show it's you... one of those yet another Ubuntu's, isn't it? Did I show bit. you the email? Uh, no, you didn't show me the email. Oh, I'll show you after this. Show me after the yeah. show. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But that was a funny one. And I think, I'm not sure what possesses some people to think that that's normal etiquette in, in any community to, to do that, to be honest with you. I'd never sort of look at someone on YouTube and be like, oh, I'd do this thing. I want them to watch me do this thing. like, And it just blow yeah. up all of this. It's so strange to me, that. Yeah, you got that on YouTube. Yeah. So, we've got a few other topics that's not quite community. And didn't you say, Rocco, that you did recently use Fedora? We did Fedora on Linux user space, I think, the previous month. Yeah. And it was the um, the most recent stable version, 32, right? Yeah. And what was what was the takeaway thoughts on that? I'll tell you what, it really wasn't a good takeaway as really? far as right in that snapshot. See, we, we started that show to try out a, our distro for two weeks. Mm-hmm. So in that two-week period, we all tried Fedora and we all had major problems with it um there was freezing going on there was an issue where you would go to log in and it would just hesitate for 30 seconds and then you could log in you get to the desktop and you'd open anything up and it would hesitate for like 30 seconds this was going on with all of us but i think it was a week or two after we got done trying it they had fixed it so I think <laughs> we just got it at a bad patch. Well, yeah, just unlucky. Yeah, I really quite like um, Fedora for GNOME. Anyway, I'm not. I've kind of slowly gone away from GNOME. But if I was to use a GNOME desktop from a distribution like prepackaged, it would probably be Fedora. Mm. Yep. Yeah. Again, I was excited to try Fedora, but it was just so unusable. Like, to be honest with you, I tried it for. I don't know, 25 minutes. So I can't even, I can't even do anything. There's nothing wow. that I can do. Cause every time you do something, it freezes up and that was on AMD or Nvidia. So it wasn't like it was, it was just a, I don't know, something in the background that was running, that was causing it to do that for all of us. And yeah, see, yeah. it must've been an actual issue. If it's affected everyone, then it was the same issue that was occurring. Yeah. Yep. So moving forward, then what do we think about the move to BTRF, uh, ButterFS for the next release? Well, I think that Fedora is always on the edge of trying, you know, that stuff that may not be quite ready yet. I don't know if ButterFS is ready to be default. Sacrilege. I already like it. Uh, liking it and and saying it's the default 
Mm, you know, that's that's a tough one. They've had the same file system structure now since version 11 I was reading earlier. So it is a big change because they've been sort of steadfast in the ways of EXT4 for quite a while, haven't they? Yep. What about you, Jiro? What do you think of the move? Because I know you've always kind of been an open SUSE kind of guy, so you'd probably have quite a good insight. Yeah. So Did you just wince at open SUSE? <laughs> no, no, no. So it, it's interesting because um, the when I was speaking to you, I think it was Conan the the other week. Um, the way they're implementing ButterFS on Fedora is actually slightly different to the way it's implemented in OpenSUSE. Um, so OpenSUSE creates subvolumes for certain directories. Um, to use under ButterFS, which I gather Fedora is not going to do that. Fedora is just going to make a, a standard partition that's ButterFS, and I don't know that they're going to make use of snapshotting quite in the same way either. I'm not too sure what's going to make it into it because I've been reading things about the compression and everything else, and I don't think they fully know what's going to make it into the actual finished product yet, to be honest with you. Yeah, and it's like, it's released not like next month or something? Well, there's a pre-release ISO. I think it's a pre-release. I was playing around with it the other day. So you can currently sort of test it as it is right now. Hmm. Yeah. So I I don't know. I mean, it's interesting that kind of a sub-project of Red Hat is kind of going towards ButterFS when Red Hat themselves dropped it. Sort of, you know, that year or so ago, in favor of whatever their um, solution is—is is it Stratus or whatever it's called? With yes. XFS. Yeah. Um, so, how that? It would be interesting to see how the change in Fedora makes changes to CentOS and to Red Hat. I think. I think it will eventually probably make its way there. To be honest. Yeah. Yeah. Just touching on that a minute. What is what is Stratus? What what is the actual deal with that? Because obviously XFS. What have they done? To... Oh God, I don't know. I, I know that it's like a layer over top of XFS. That I think when I researched it ages ago, it was effectively something that Red Hat had made to add features of other file systems into a layer on top of XFS. So to basically take the speed and reliability of XFS and add stuff like snapshotting and volume management and all that stuff on top of on top of it. But whether that's what it is now or if that is truly how it functions, I actually have no idea. <laughs> and did you um did you manage to pinpoint the issue that you was having with your your disk setup at the moment with your file system? Oh, with with ZFS. Yeah, do you want to briefly explain what was going on? Oh, God. (laughs) (laughs) Briefly. (laughs) So, um, yeah, ZFS and gaming, bad times. (laughs) So are you back on ButterFS now? So, yeah, because because I've now reinstalled OpenSUSE, I'm now back on ButterFS. Um, But, yeah, ZFS was kind of, like, doing some really weird stuff that I'm sure I could probably fix if I understood it more. But I just don't. <laughs> so, Rocco, what you standard EXT four on your on your Pop OS machine? Yeah, I mean file systems are file systems are tough, dude. And I'm not into trying them and and see you know if this one works, if I might lose data, or I'll let you guys do that, <laughs> and I'll be fine waiting in the background. <laughs> so, what is your kind of your machine then that you actually use predominantly? Are you what are you? you mean the hardware or yeah like intel ryzen what are you what are you rocking i have uh, one the main machine is an intel i9 right with with a uh, 2080 video card in it and 32 gigabytes of memory the test machine which is why i don't hop around i use the test machine to test distros out that has an amd uh processor in it and it's pretty much all amd in that so yeah, well, I'm, a 580 in it. I'm fully a- AMD these days. I don't have a test machine as such. I have test disks. <laughs> but that works, though. No, it does. It, it does. But the test machine is way better, though, i got to tell you. That yeah. You don't um, have to mess with the boot or any of the grub, nothing. You know, it's just... Yeah. I'm thinking of 
just sort of knocking a quick little rig together i've got like so many spare parts it doesn't need to be an amazing pc or anything it just needs to do the job for the to sort of the test of it and i've probably got enough parts in my cupboard over there to just go just build one to be honest yeah and what is your yeah. machine rock uh zero what have you got uh which one your main one <laughs> my main one yeah. my main pc uh is it's got amd processor amd graphics card um one m dot two drive and two um spinning rusts do you play many games rocco um usually games i play are not on linux no, you play on popular windows that's all right we, we yeah got no hate here for the for the windows guys uh the windows manager is it? <laughs> <laughs> uh yeah i don't <laughs> full boot but not on the same disc so i have one disc with windows and one disc with linux do you know what i'm going to start doing i'm going to stick to calling it windows manager but then just calling windows window <laughs> window 10 <laughs> window 10 yeah but to be honest with you i use windows just like a console right so yeah i'm in sense. linux all day long i boot into windows to play games that obviously can't play on linux which is like call of duty modern warfare that kind of stuff mm-hmm. and then boot right out of windows as soon as i'm done playing and boot yeah. back into linux so it's more of a console than anything yeah, yeah. see that's interesting because one of the things that made me switch full-time to linux was when um steam's proton got released and i realized that the two games that i thought were windows only at that point ran within it and i was like so why am i keeping windows around like why do i need it here so i just got rid of it and started using linux full-time so it was kind of like the opposite thing i was booting to windows just for these two games and then ended up not having to in certain instances, Linux is starting to perform better in certain games than their Windows counterparts. It's obviously very much still heavily weighted in one direction, but it's catching right. up, I think. We are we we have so many games yeah. to play in Linux now that you know, through Proton, Steam, whatever, there's always that anti cheat stuff that is in games that is gonna keep that going and I don't know Unless they make it work with Linux, I think there will always be those couple AAA titles. I think I read something about that recently, actually. I can't remember off the top of my head, though, but I think there is work towards some sort of easy anti-cheat that would allow us to play those games. That would be great. Um, I, I, I think that for those that... If you don't play those type of games, I think you could easily switch to Linux and play most games out there. So uh, zero, are you still on the um, the Spyro hype train at the moment? Oh uh, no no no, we passed <laughs> we passed the Spyro hype train a long time ago. How did that end for you? Uh, good because I 100 percented it and got all the achievements on on Steam. So now I've uninstalled it and I will never touch that blasted game again. <laughs> are you that guy? Are you that guy that has to get every achievement? Oh no! It's just because it was really easy to get all the achievements, okay. so I did it. <laughs> I'm definitely not that guy. I hated. Um, so when I used to play consoles um, on the Xbox 360, I had a friend that was obsessed with getting every achievement of a game. Right, so you could have finished the game, but he's still playing it literally out like, months after everyone else has finished with it. Cause he's like, "I've got to get this achievement." I'm like, "What are you doing with your life? Move on." Yeah, <laughs> I, I finished. I finished the game, and that's it. I'm done. Yeah, I don't I'm have to get all of those. I haven't played a proper single-player story-driven game to finish in ages, though. You should maybe try Call of Duty. It was good. I hate Call of Duty. Oh, come on. <laughs> All right. It's like a Fine. it's like a sort of a first-person shooter game with the training wheels on, to me, anyway. That's what it feels like. <laughs> what what games are you into? I just, To be honest, all I pretty much play these days is Counter-Strike Go, um, and that's very sporadically now, because I don't have time so i work full time and then when i'm not working i'll be sort of working on a video or something and then i'll have like an odd because a game of counter-strike if you play a sort of a full game is not like i can just play for 10 minutes a game can be up to like 45 minutes of just like a single match so it's like i'm not playing games at much at the moment which is a bit sad Mm. yep so has anyone tried any of the newer distros that have just come out manjaro and Deepin? No, I have not. But I do know somebody that is um, is sitting on Deepin right now and 
seems to be loving it, but I don't know whether they're having sort of any issues with it or not. I think um, with Deepin, it is it's just a visually very nice desktop. As a daily driver, I'm not sure it would ever sway me to use it in place of what I currently mm-hmm. use. But it's very nice to look yeah. at. It, it, I love the transparency of Deepin, and it is very nice to look at. But there are some... We were talking about this on Biddle last night. There are some inconsistencies in the which ones the UI, that, like okay, for example, the the menu, the main menu, like the spacing on those icons are just not right. Like, I also don't like the new category view with the big panes. You've seen it. Yeah, it seems like it was designed just for the idea of a touchscreen to swipe left and right. Visually, that was the one thing that I wasn't too too sort of happy with, to be honest with you. And I'm still mm. umming and erring about how much I like rounded corners on everything. <laughs> well, somebody had brought up yesterday that uh, they thought that Deep End was built on GTK and QT, a mix of it, and which is why there may be some inconsistencies. Yeah. Um... That is very funky monkey if that's what they're doing. Yeah, all I know is it's it is really nice nice to look at overall, but it is definitely it definitely has some areas that are just really small that maybe a lot of people wouldn't notice, but I notice them because I notice. I've got a bit of a hot take on it actually. I think I preferred the previous versions desktop. Really? Yeah, and I've only the only reason I didn't so I done the deep in video the other day and it was like. It took me like an hour to actually get through everything. The raw file was massive, but I managed to cut it down to like 47 minutes, which is still far too long for a distro video. <laughs> no, honestly, I got to the end of that and I was like, I want to go to bed. That has been far too much for me to actually do for a video. Um, but wow. yeah, then it, the next day I was like, because um, not every distro at the moment's obviously got the, the newer version yet. I think Ubuntu DDE is still on the older version, isn't it? I do believe Ubuntu DDE. Um, uh, not sure. But on the older version, I don't know if they're going to implement it on a new one, you can download Deepin Top Bar, right? Which is basically, think of the equivalent of like a GNOME Top Bar. Because the thing that's always mm-hmm. seemed a bit weird to me of Deepin is having a dock or a, something at the bottom, but then nothing at the top. It's a weird yep. paradigm to me. So what I really liked about the previous version is that you could just download Deepin Top Bar and kind of have like a, almost like a GNOME kind of layout, but with just more pretty eye candy to it. Right. So Manjaro, what do we think of Manjaro? Well, we tried Manjaro on Linux user space this past right after Fedora. And the new version that, or it's not the brand new one that just came out two days right, ago. Okay, yeah. It was the the latest at the time. And I love Manjaro. I think it's awesome. I I did the KDE version. They they customize it very nice it's very professional looking i think the one thing that we talked about with manjaro though was that it drives me insane when people recommend manjaro for new users i actually agree with you on that one as well yeah oh man that's like my absolute pet hate (laughs) i think we've talked about it before haven't we yeah absolutely yeah it's my absolute pet hate well, there was all those videos coming out from Linus Tech Tips about gaming on Linux and Manjaro. It was on was every always, single video, yeah. Was, I, yeah, it was like pushed. I made a video about that, uh, uh, just sort of like talking about the hype of Manjaro. As soon as that video came out on Linus Tech Tips, the amount of people that were like, I'm going to go download Manjaro. I was like, why? But yeah, yep. no, it happened. It had like a Streisand effect almost on, on Manjaro. It was strange. But think about this now. The first thing that pops up when you you install Manjaro... You boot into it. The first thing that pops up is, "Hey, there's a new kernel. Do you want to up? Or uh, you should update your kernel. Like you don't want to call a new user to update they, their kernel. I think yeah, the, uh, they do now do like the LTS image release. I don't know whether they'll include like the 5.4 kernel. I think. Yeah, but you, a new user shouldn't have to worry about that. Is what I'm saying. No, I 100 percent so agree. I'm, yeah, it's not Manjaro's fault that that happens that they get recommended it just drives me insane that they get recommended for new users i can imagine like some update for a new user that would come and just break something and wipe certain things (laughs) away and they would just literally be pulling their hair out not knowing what to do 
Yeah. And that, that, and that might be little. their first experience in Linux and maybe their last because of it. Yeah, no, I agree. I don't think it should be a, a beginner distro for anybody, but it is kind yeah. of positioned as that. I do see... Not sure why. I think it's even like their tagline is like a, a, like a desktop for everyone or something, isn't it? Like a, a, an easy to use... A, what is it? Yeah, check that. I'm pretty sure it's something along the lines of like a, a an easy to use desktop for everyone or something. Free free operating system for everyone. There we go. That's what I'm saying. Like, I don't think it is for everyone. Enjoy the simplicity. Exactly. This is what I mean. <laughs> <laughs> Look, if you're into Linux already for a little while and you want to dip your hand into that kind of world, like the Arch world and stuff, it's great. It's perfect. And you're willing to learn, it's great. Not for a new user. I still think the yeah. best distro for a new user is either Ubuntu or Linux Mint, and I've always thought that, to be honest. I used to just think it was straight Ubuntu, but recently I've been really enjoying what Linux Mint have been doing in, in just sort of a way of helping new users actually get to grips with what they're doing. I know certain mm-hmm. people feel a way about that, but I think it might be overtaking Ubuntu in just usability at the moment, for, like from a new user's perspective. Yep. I think that uh, I used to recommend Linux Mint. I don't really now because of the whole snap controversy. Yeah, I was about to say you had a thing, didn't you? I didn't. I don't think I watched all of it actually. Do you want to summarize it? Well, I mean, I think that I want to be careful here because I uh, Linux Mint is a great distro. There's well, this no can also this can also bleed into I guess sort of the community side of things as well because obviously Snap is a very contentious thing. It's kind of split down the middle of people who are for and who are against but go on well they basically removed snap Mm -hmm. from being able to be installed in the system and they went about it wrong in my opinion that was the wrong thing to do they could have went about it many different ways they could have well first of all their blog posts basically bad mouthed ubuntu told them they told it said it was a back door into your system and all of this stuff it's 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 not a yeah, it's not a backdoor. Come on, dude. I don't use Snap, not because I don't. I try to not use any universal packaging formats. And if I'm going to use one, I'm a bit weird. I'll use an app image. You don't have to like Snaps. You don't have to use them. No. But I didn't think it was in their place to do what they did. They are the distro that everybody recommends to new users. So now I recommend a new user to Linux Mint. They use Chrome, Chromium, mm-hmm. okay, for their browser. They can't get it. No, that now. is a good point. They can't use it. So it's not the, okay. So it's not that they can't get it. They could go through terminal commands and do all of this stuff to the workaround. But you're talking new users. You don't want to put that that roadblock in there and they're the ones that always took away the roadblocks. It's against everything that they've always stood for basically and why couldn't they have put a switch in the menu in the in the welcome screen to say do you want chromium or do you want snaps yes or no was it not mentioned that that was going to be something that was going to be making it into the final release because i remember in the beta um it was pretty much snaps not going to happen but i swear they updated their blog post to say that they are going to kind of signpost an easy way for users to re-enable it did that ever happen I don't know if that ever happened. I didn't see that that happened. So I wish it would happen. I'm Hmm. not aware of it happening. Are you aware of it being said, though? Do you remember when it was... I'm sure that it was mentioned in a blog post somewhere. uh, (sighs) I I know that they were going to have that thing that was supposed to explain why you couldn't install the packages. And then it was like, were they saying in that that they were going to link to instructions on how to re-enable it? Yeah, I'm pretty sure that that was a thing. Yeah. But I, <clears throat> well, I you can re-enable it. Yeah, I, yeah. Do, I do know that you can re-enable it, but yeah. it's not something that you're going to hand a new user to do. Yeah. It's not. So that's why I don't recommend it right now because I think it went against their philosophy and of taking the roadblocks out of the way. So would you still just recommend straight Ubuntu to a new user then? Um, I don't run into many new users anymore, but there's always distros out there like 
<laughs> there's always teachers out there like Zorin. Uh, even even elementary would be perfectly fine. I think for it, a de- new user. it depends where they're coming from for elementary. I think. I think if you're coming from Windows, I don't know how useful elementary might be to make that instant transition. Well, it definitely would be a change, mm. but I guess it all depends on who you're giving it to. So there's always those questions you would ask. You know, what do you need? What do you use the computer for? And what do you like to see? Those questions have to be asked regardless of what distro you recommend. Yeah, I suppose. Uh, maybe it's just me then, but I I have to just recommend... I get emails from people asking me. <laughs> no, I do. I do. I get emails going, look, I'm, I've, I've just... I use Windows and I want to use in like Linux. Can you recommend a, a dish? And I'd, to be honest, I'd, I'd, I'd recommend Linux Mint. That's okay. Yeah, no, it is. A, it is. A, I'm not too worried about the whole argument of the snap thing. Like, kind of like you, but from a different point of view. You either use it or you don't. Is kind of where I'd fall on it, and I'm not going to sort of argue either for or against. I don't know why there's so much hate out there for it. If you want to use it, use it. If you don't want to use it, don't use it. Yeah, I think yeah. that kind of stands for anything. Now, I can un- I can understand why there is a bit of a pushback against it. There are certain reasons why someone might not want to use it. Yes, but again, it's their choice to make that decision, I guess. Mm-hmm. But then I'm that's a what, that's what Linux is all about, dude. But then I would also extend that decision to Linux Mint as well. Yep. So what else have we got on the topic zero? Have we got any any others? Uh, you, you had known three point three. Yes, actually, that was a good one. Uh, have you read any of the um, sort of new features that are coming to name three point three eight? Um, feels faster trademark. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that is kind of the In thing, every isn't it? Release. <laughs> there is. Um, I think they're taking some stuff away, aren't they? As, as opposed, to, they're adding. I think they're sort of jazzing up the screenshot tool, and actually, I've, it looks quite cool. The new screenshot tool. Hmm. I have not seen any of what they're going to add on to it, so I don't know. So, do you remember when new, there was that? New wallpaper. <laughs> new wallpaper, new yeah. Wallpaper. Yeah. <laughs> well, no, they've got a new welcome app, improved fingerprint support, better applications grid. That's the thing, actually. I kind of hate GNOME's um, application grid. Mm-hmm. I don't think it's ever made that much sense on a desktop, but I know that some people really like it. I really enjoy it. I do. Yeah. I guess. I think the. Go on. I think the way the menu is is perfect. Um, you have everything you need, pretty much in there. All of your your you have menus and workspaces all in one thing. Easily switch to anything. Keyboard I think, driven. Yeah, the overview is really sort of intuitive, but the animations to me feel so slow especially when you're doing that show all applications and then they all come at you at like a, a snail's pace so i use that um what's that extension called impatience i'll use impatience, impatience. on gnome which just yeah. speeds everything up and makes it a bit better yep but then i haven't used gnome on an actual daily driver for a very long time now actually so are you a gnome I- guy I was not ever a GNOME guy. Right. I was a KDE guy. I, I started the YouTube channel on KDE and was for years. But, you know, I still love KDE. But we have this love-hate relationship that, <laughs> like, man, you install KDE and it, you look at this feature and it's awesome. And you look at this new feature and it's awesome. And you're so excited to be able to change all of this stuff. And then... Some you know something crashes and the system settings crash and then the bug tracker crashes and then the menu crashes where you that's my that's my experience on KDE. The worst so. thing with KDE is is the um, the settings. F- trying to find a specific setting and it's hidden in some weird thing like it's such a mess. The system settings on KDE. Yep. Well, it can be deep, and that's why I did the the series on the the settings, but. Like I said, I trying to flip back and forth. Didn't like GNOME when I first tried it. Made fun of it, you know. Did the whole thing, ran through that whole gamut, and then actually gave it a try—a real try with an open mind. And it just works. Like everything, I don't have to worry about things crashing in GNOME. You never get the report problem now or anything. 
Nope. I don't get any crashes. So when are we going to see the next Big Daddy Linux distro review then? (laughs) 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 Now, like I said, the, the content has switched and the content is not for everyone because a lot of people like like they like your videos or you're reviewing distros and you're talking about applications where the content on my channel is basically linux spotlight and the live streams i really so, like the linux spotlight i binge watched a load of them a few weeks ago and i was like this is a really good show i think i think that's probably my favorite thing that you do is actually the spotlight i think it's really good so where well what came up what, what inspired you to do that then, the, the spotlight? When we were on Biddle, the live stream, yeah. and I was talking to Zeb and a few other guys, and we had just started to talk about their Linux history on the live stream. And I thought to myself, wouldn't it be a great thing to have it all in one place and just do a separate interview for everybody? So that's what I started doing. Have you watched much of the um, Spotlight Zero uh i have to be honest and say no you should go ahead and watch there's some really good ones yeah yeah i need to like i have like a bunch of stuff that just ends up getting added to my perpetual sort of extending queue of things to go and watch (laughs) because i just don't have time time a week it's so much content yep there is so what do you tend to watch mostly on youtube like not linux related i just kind of i'm kind of intrigued me both of you so when you're not watching like something to do with linux what is what do you like to do just to relax and watch something on youtube um so at the minute i'm trying to it's not necessarily on youtube because not a lot of stuff is actually i, I watch like the um gdq like the speed runs and stuff sometimes oh, do you? games yeah, yeah yeah like if it's games <laughs> speedrunner out here I well, I watch them. I don't. I don't do that. I'm, um, I, I watch some of them to sort of see. Like, it's kind of funny watching some of the some of the runs. Um, at the minute, though, my main task is to try and get through all of the seasons of Star Trek Voyager. Are they on YouTube? No, they're not on no, YouTube. Not they're on Netflix. But I'm trying. I'm trying to do it. <laughs> yeah, I could never get into Star Trek. It's not for me. No. no. No, I, I took a, it. Took a while. Voyager is um, it's testing me. It's <laughs> you, really could lose, testing you, me. you could lose your Linux card for that for saying that, you know. For who I could, yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I don't think anyone ever gave me a Linux card anyway. I just pretended oh, okay. I had one. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> just I just found one and repurposed it and put my name on the top. <laughs> nice. Um, what do I oh, watch man. on YouTube? To be honest, I don't really. What do I watch on YouTube? No, Linux stuff at the moment. I think my my, my life's a bit too consumed with Linux stuff. I need to find a hobby, I think. <laughs> well, I'll veer off Linux into hardware. Stuff. So, like a lot of the hardware reviews, like all of the stuff on the NVIDIA 3090s coming out, 3080s and whatnot, I, I get into hearing about those. Are you going to pick up one of the new ones? I might have to take out a loan to get a 3090, <laughs> but... Oh, my God. How much are the 3090s in? Because they've got an entry-level one that's kind of sitting around 500, haven't they? Yeah, I think the 3090 is 1400 bucks, And the 3080 is 799 And... and... So, I, I mean, I would love to have one. And the thing about it is there's such a jump from the last generation... Like, it's not even funny. So it's definitely worth the upgrade, but holy mackerel, is that a lot of money. Do either of you play anything on consoles? Uh, no. No, I used to. I used yep. to. And then, like, I switched over to PC gaming because I was like, I'm basically playing everything with a controller anyway, except I can play it with better graphics. <laughs> <laughs> I haven't touched my console in ages, actually, yeah. Uh... No, I, I years ago, like zero, I played console, but I switched over. I think two thousand five when Medal of Honor came out. Do you play um, Call of Duty online? I do. Do you? Do you? Yep. Are mm-hmm. you good? Mm, not really. <laughs> <laughs> what was that game zero that we tried to get a little tournament going in the in the Discord? 
Um, was it Hedge Wars? I think it I might think have it been. Hedge I've never even played it, but I think we could probably get one going now that there's more people actually involved in the Discord. Oh, yeah, we, to- we totally could. We I think totally we, could. we should we should start a Hedge Wars uh, tourney. <laughs> <laughs> have you played Hedge Wars? <laughs> no, I have not. There no. we go. So there was a question, wasn't there, uh, Zero, in the Discord? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Let me find it. Do you want Let to put it, it up? It I think that's... Good. It's a good question. I think it's going to be hard to answer, though. Yeah. Do you want me to read it out? Yeah, read it out. Um, so the question we had, it comes from a user called Double Zero, whose identifier I will not read out on Discord. Um, their question is, why isn't there many software developers for FreeBSD as there are for Linux? FreeBSD and its derivatives are great operating systems and used to be ahead of Linux a long time ago, but now it's the other way around. Does someone want to take that on? Well, that's tough, dude. It is a tough one. <laughs> <laughs> like you and I were having yeah, a chat about this I, earlier, weren't we? Yeah, so, uh, so where I kind of stood in it was... I don't think it's as much of a license issue as you probably did. Did Yeah, yeah. So I, I kind of thought that the main problem, at least, was down to, you know, in some ways, the licensing. Um, because the BSD license, like the, the main things, I mean, there's probably going to be some people from sort of the Free Software Foundation and all that that will come into the comments of the video now being like, you're totally wrong. Um, but... The way I understand it is that the BSD license is basically like you can do whatever you want with this code. If you want to make money off it, that's fine. Mm -hmm. Like if you take it and make tweaks and make money off it for proprietary software, that's fine. You're under no obligation to share your changes back to the main code base. Whereas the GPL is, is like if you make changes to this code, you have to also make them available under the same license. Um, there and is no question about that. Does that go that. for the der- same as derivative work as well, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, I think so. Um, and it, the BSD license has like that slight difference, as far as I know, anyway. Um, but, you know, we were saying it earlier as well about the sort of the timing yeah. for Linux as well, more than anything, coming onto the scene. You know, it's in like, you know, the 90s or whatever it was, that it, it started It caught getting, the momentum, didn't it? Yeah, it caught the whole, you know, all of the other stuff going on, like Microsoft expanding, um, Microsoft having the whole, you know, years-long lawsuit about anti-competitive practices and, and you know, with the emails that good old Bill was sending about, you know, embracing yeah, an extension. Everything. Yeah. And I kind of thought, I kind of think to some extent, you know, that I don't know if you've seen it, Tyler, there was a documentary film that was released some time ago called Revolution OS. I think I did see that, yeah. Yeah, and I, I watched that and that was actually quite interesting about sort of watching how um, Linux came about and everything about sort of some of these practices that were going on. I think, you know, it just kind of snowballed almost. That's... Whereas I don't know that bsd ever had a moment like that that's why i'd say it's it's more of the momentum of like the user base adopting to it and then once something's starting to grow it's as long as it's good it's going to continue to grow and more people are going to get to it had they have not got the original momentum when it first started because if it was purely a licensing thing then how do you explain other things that aren't gpl but are very very popular it i don't think it's purely just a licensing thing yeah, I don't know. It's it's kind of, you know, it would be interesting to sort of ask, um, you know, even some of the sort of BSD community members mm. what their thoughts are. Um, uh, good BSD YouTubers, uh, Robo Nuggy. Robo Nuggy? Yes. Yeah, Robo Nuggy. He'd be a good guy yeah. to ask about that, actually. Yeah. If you're watching, Robo, put it in the comments and don't laugh at us for getting anything wrong. <laughs> people still use bsd i'm just kidding do you know what no, no, no. I, I know i know a couple of people that um there's one user in our in our mint discord server that she uses OpenSUSE leap and also has free bsd installed somewhere 
I actually have a, an instance of BSD running as well every now and then. And it, yeah, you've got BSD as well. I, yeah, there's certain things about it that I do quite like. I mean, part of it might even just be like, you know, liking a niche thing or something. You know, when you get that kind of thing where you're like, I like this because it's a bit more nerdy or, oh. or less people are using it or something. But I think it's all, it's it's fun to use, you know, I don't know. Because I like to try anything anyway. And I, yeah, I think it's okay. I know there's less of a sort of, I don't think there's a community of hundreds of thousands of BSD users that are all posting about it in forums and stuff, but I think it, it does certain things really well, I think. <laughs> I use BSD, by the way. <laughs> someone just said that. I don't. <laughs> have you ever used BSD in any iteration before, Rocky? No, I have not. Have Honestly. you used Zero? Um, when I first built my media server at home, yeah, it was with the full intent that it was going to run uh, FreeNAS. Free You've got an yeah. argument against FreeNAS, though, didn't you? Because I remember when I said to you that I was using it for a little server, you you had a had a bit of a bit of a bit of a cry. Yeah, what did I? I think you I did. Can't remember, I think did I? Yeah, I can't, I can't... remember that. Um, I, I do like some of the features of FreeNAS. It was nice, but... Oh, yeah, I remember what it was. It there was, we go. Um, it doesn't have a firewall. Yeah, who it needs firewalls? Any, it doesn't ship with any form of firewall at all. And when I did some digging, because, you know, it is marketed as kind of a semi-professional product that they intend for sort of businesses and people to use as well i think you'd be surprised and, about I, the use of it I, I i wouldn't i would say it is probably professional to a certain degree to be honest yeah yeah and i was kind of like my argument was if it's intended for use in a business that is going to be storing all of its critical files on there it should have some form of security in the form of a firewall like i'm sorry but you know can you not set up a firewall on it I th- I think you can, but when I tried to look into it at the time, it might be a little bit simpler now. But when I looked into it at the time, it was kind of like eh, as to whether it would work or not. And they also said that it was an unsupported configuration. So I was like, <laughs> amazing. It's always good you when it says something like that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, so I guess to wrap things up, what do we all think could? What could be like a fundamental thing, moment, or change that could happen to make Linux become obviously not year, the year of the that's never going to happen the year of the Linux thing I don't think anyway. But what do you think could elevate it past its current sort of trajectory that it's currently on? That's a tough question, dude. Yes, yeah. we're on a good trajectory right now with the amount of hardware vendors that we're getting, like Lenovo and whatnot. But I just. I don't know if there's something that would really skyrocket us. Mm-hmm. I think we just need to be, um, we need to be better as a community to not scare off people when they do try it. I don't think there's something that's going to push us like a rocket. Do you think we need it though as well? Like I've I've always wondered about this sort of unattainable thing that people try and say the year of the next day. Is, is it that is it that attainable that we really want it that much? Do we want it that much really? I don't know if we do. Because I think when something gets too large, things get influenced in in different directions that we might not like. I think we do. I think some of us want it. But I think you're right that it would probably not be the exact same as it is right now. It wouldn't be able to be, I don't think. Right. What about you, Zero? Um, I mean, I don't think that the year of the Linux desktop much as its thing i don't think it will ever happen and i think it it will never happen purely because of the nature of linux um you know and the nature of technology you know technology is constantly changing and the kernel is constantly changing with it to the point where you know unless we have like five years where there is literally no technological development (laughs) whatsoever in the course of humankind I don't think we're ever going to reach a point where Linux suddenly explodes and starts being, you know, used everywhere because it can run everywhere. It would just be, you know, almost impossible. I think it's one in certain it's it's, it's one in certain areas already anyway, I think. 
Yeah, like in web servers and stuff. And even just everyone's got some kind of form of Linux in their pocket these days. And they're, it's obviously not like real Linux and stuff as we think of it, but it's a, mm-hmm. it's a shoot-off of Linux, isn't it, you know? Yeah. And when I was in college doing a bit of ICT stuff, pretty much all the embedded system stuff that we was doing, again, was, was all Linux. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah. Well, that question gets asked on Linux Spotlight every episode. And there's so many good answers, so many different answers. Some people take it and think about it as a serious conversation like we're doing here. And some people had great answers like Cubicle Nate. (laughs) And he said, the year of the Linux desktop is the year that you found Linux. Yeah, I think that's that's a good way of doing it, yeah. Yeah. It's a personal thing. So what year, 2016, but you were using it before that, wasn't it? So what was... Yeah, I'd say... 2006 would be probably when I was running it full-time, I guess. So that was the I year of the Linux it. desktop for you. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Right. Um, is there anything else anyone wants to say before we wrap things up? Uh, I don't have anything to add. Nothing at all, Zero. You... No, no. <laughs> can't believe it. I <laughs> can't believe it. <laughs> okay, well, um, thanks for joining us, Rocco. And if... I'm going to imagine everyone that's subscribed to my channel is already subscribed to BDL, but if you aren't, there'll be a link in the description below of this video. Take it easy. No worries, man. No, it was really nice to have you on, Rocco, actually. It was good. Yeah, it was lovely to have you on, mate. We're getting even better at these outros, aren't we? All right, see you later. Bye.